On the limiting side, you have bully, controlling, abusive, overpowering, inconsiderate, selfish, angry, stubborn, frustrated, degrading, weak, tyrannical. Feel those, right? That sounds like a Twitter post of people who hate their boss. Learn modern marketing that you can use to grow your business in today's competitive landscape. This is Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. Welcome to the Digital Marketing Masters podcast. My name is Matt Rouse, and today Eric Rogel is my guest. Eric, how are you? Hey, Matt. I'm great, and I'm really happy to be here, man. Thank you. Fantastic. So you are the host of the Warriors, Lovers, Kings, and Heroes podcast. And on that podcast, you guys talk about what it means to be a man in today's world and that how it can sometimes be challenging or frustrating. And your guests share stories and personal journeys to manhood. And not that this episode isn't for women either, but, you know, we'll, we'll talk more about that in a minute. So, Eric, you are quoted as being the trainer of bold as fuck alpha leaders. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And I, know, I try and keep the swearing down. My business partner gets all mad at me when I swear too much. You know, it's funny that you said that one of my clients makes printed masks, like employee masks, you can get branding and stuff on them. And they made me one and sent it to me that says essential AF across it. (laughs) Exactly. That's perfect, man. You can you could say AF if you want. I mean, we can say bold AF alpha leaders. And that does include the women, too. So I know you mentioned that earlier. The podcast is for men, but we have a lot of women listeners you know, I talk about warriors, lovers, kings and heroes. And I've when I do stuff like your show and we talk about, you know, just being a leader in general, I do warriors, lovers, kings, queens and heroes. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about who you are and what you do just to kind of get started? Yeah, absolutely. So I've been down the the path, we'll just say. What led me into the podcast thing and what I've done, I I did a lot of work in relationships before. I was a top men's lifestyle journalist for a long time. I wrote for a lot of top publications. I was a staff writer at discovery.com for Discovery Channel. And I wrote a lot about men's issues, uh, gear, gadgets, cars, booze, food, dating, all of that. Wrote a, a book called The Art of War for Dating, was a dating guide for men and really kind of got into all that. But it was all kind of part of a journey that I've been on since I was a kid. I always say, I joke around that my mother raised me like a veal, right? I was raised to be soft and, and you know, and tender and not get too bruised. And along the way, I realized, well, this really isn't what I'm feeling here. You know, I feel like I need to be more than this. She's awesome. I talk about mom a lot. And I say that she raised me to be cautious, to be fearful um, of things that stuff could hurt me rather than some men I know that were raised more in their warrior to be adventurous and take risks and do all these things. So for me, it was a journey of, hey, I'm feeling all these things inside and I, I, I know there's more. So I went on this journey. I know a lot of men can relate to that. And I know a lot of women that have important men in their lives can relate to men being brought up that way. So that really kind of led me to looking for role models and leaders in my life because I hadn't had them. Very strong, very influential, very positive, in my case, male role models. And I found them. And, you know, in society today, unfortunately, we have some men who are not positive role models. They tend to get a lot of the attention, a lot of the media, a lot of the press. And I was feeling in a lot of the men that I was talking to around toxic masculinity and masculinity being negative and all this. And I said, wait a minute, there are some really good men out there. I've interviewed hundreds of really good men out there. Let's give them a voice. And I also wanted some of these guys to be role models for me. I want to know their story. So that's where warriors, lovers, kings, and heroes came about. Those are the four archetypes that I believe we as humans will say are on. It's the journey we're on. We start the warrior, we progress into lover. King, queen is when we can integrate the two of those. And we'll talk about that from a leadership perspective here in a minute and being a boss and leading teams and then getting into hero. And I'll I'll explain those a little more detail later, but that's where the podcast came about. And it was about showcasing these men. And the feedback has been wonderful because so many of us as, as men that have been brought up this way you know, without that positive male role model. And so many of us seeing what's going on in society and media, look at these men and go, wow, man, they're just like me. They've had failures. They've had confusion. They've had challenges. They've taken steps backwards, but then they've come out the other side victorious. 
And it's inspirational. And it was inspirational to me. It's kind of made me who I am. So I look back now at, at how mom raised me. And at the time, I blamed her for a lot and put a lot of it on her. Now I appreciate everything she did for me. She did the best she could with the tools she had at the time. And it made me the man that I am today. It forced me to take a really hard look at my own personal journey, my own hero's journey and, and how I've progressed. And then being able to give that back by doing things like your show. That's good. And you know what? You mentioned about male role models in the media because of the kind of this keyboard warrior culture that we have now and kind of the anonymity of a lot of social platforms to be able to just criticize anyone at any time for anything. There is this vilification of trying to, you know, like stand up and say, look, these are qualities that good men have. And then obviously a bunch of people are going to disagree with you regardless of what you say about that. And I think it's important that there is a place that that discussion can take place and people can make their opinion about it themselves and listen to the stories of other people without being attacked for wanting to hear those stories and stuff. Right. And, you know, especially in the culture that we have now, it's kind of a no win situation in the social media world. Right. No matter what you put, somebody disagrees with you and wants to have an argument. <laughs> yeah. And, and I agree with that. I mean, the thing is, we look at there's a lot of no consequences right now with, like you said, keyboard warriors, you know, someone behind the keyboard, behind the screen, behind the steering wheel, you can be as brave as you want. Right. Because no consequences. Right. Or they have an agenda behind it that is some way self-serving. Yeah. It's a self-righteousness that comes out. And that comes out too. And there's all, I mean, we can have a whole episode just about that one thing. But so I wanted to ask you this. Sure. Our episode is called How to Not Suck as a Boss. Right. So how do you not suck as a boss? Oh, it's great, man. I love that too, because, you know, there's, trust me when I tell you, there's a ton of ways to suck as a boss. And I think I have embodied pretty much all of them. And that's kind of where I come from on this is that, look, I am a firm believer in you have to have walked the path before. If you're going to lead and guide others, at least walk the path beforehand. And I have walked the path of being a really terrible boss before. So how do you not suck as a boss? Well, there's a few things that go into this. And I look at things through the, the lens of the warrior, lover, king, queen, and hero. First of all, the thing is, is we've all heard this before where to be a great leader, you must serve. I think it was John C. Maxwell was the, the first to kind of bring that. And I agree with that. But for so many people, they go, well, OK, great. I get that. I serve. But what does that mean? What does it really mean? And so I'm going to kind of break down for you my view on how you can be an incredible boss and leader. And we use the term boss just from an organizational standpoint, let's just say. OK, Matt. So I am not a fan of the word boss because I think it has a negative connotation. Like, let's be bossy. And I get that from a lot of the women that I work with. They're like, look, I want to be a great boss, but I don't want to be bossy. I don't want to be seen as, you know, the bossy bitch. I don't want to be seen as, you know, men come out and they go, I don't want to be an overbearing boss. So I, I'll use the term leader or team leader in this case. So if we look at it this way, how do we serve? Warrior, lover, king, hero to me, and I'll explain them very, very briefly, but that warrior energy that we all have, and this is men or women, male, female, I'm not talking about man, woman, we all have the warrior in us. We all have the lover in us. The warrior is the more masculine energy, right? That is the driving force. That is the one that if you tap into that warrior, Matt, you are getting moving. That's the motivation. That's the drive. That's the ambition. Those are the things that get shit moving. If we put it that way, tapping into that warrior is so important when you're a leader. The lover side is that feminine energy that we all have. And look, I mean, I consider myself a very masculine man, but I'm also very, very, very in tune to my feminine side. And we'll get into, you know, the, the limiting and empowering sides of these. But the empowering side of the feminine is what makes everything work. And that is creativity and passion and wisdom and nurturing and you know, playfulness and all those things that kind of go in behind. So when you can take you tap into your warrior and follow it up with a really beautiful lover so that the masculine energy, the feminine energy, and you can integrate the two of those. That is when I say you become truly the king, the queen. That's when you become the ruler. So when you have that and you're leading from that space, and I'll get into that in more detail after, but when you're leading from that space, you're leading your people. The hero is when you drop the ego. 
So the hero is when you drop your own ego and say, I'm no longer doing this for me. I'm doing this for others. And so to me, that serving part of what Maxwell was talking about was as progressing from king, queen into hero, how can I make kings and queens of the people around me, the people on my team, the people that I am leading, how do I turn them into great leaders? How do I support them? How do I move them forward? How do I get them to step into their king and queen? And then once you can do that, that's when you become the hero. And that's part of being a really good, we'll say boss, because it's the title of this episode, but really good leader is tapping into your own warrior. And again, I'll get into detail. Courting with your lover, becoming that king, queen, and then getting into how do I create this environment for the people under me, around me, with me, partnered with me, where I'm creating them to become their own kings, queens, and heroes. Right. And I think that's valuable for people to make that shift in mindset, because when you're kind of younger and you're growing up, you think the boss is someone who tells everybody else what to do, right? And they work for you period. And that's the end of the conversation. But it turns out if you want people to do the best work that they can do and and to get the best thing that they can do, you know, there's kind of the Gary V mindset of they don't work for you, you work for them. And I mean, personally, my mindset is that your staff work for the outcome. So whatever the desired outcome you're trying to achieve is, that's what the staff works for. And your job is to help them achieve that outcome. Yeah. And, and you're working together. Like, I mean, that's really where I think it comes down to I me. Mean, look, you as the leader, you're directing, molding, shaping, helping, nurturing, guiding, all of those things. I look at all the great leaders of our time. They were down in the trenches with their people or they had this incredible knowledge and they gave this knowledge to guide and direct the others. So I think we're all in this together. And I think what's important and you kind of alluded to it is I tell my teams whenever we're doing anything, We have to have a vision, a mission, and a purpose. And when you get everyone aligned in this vision, mission, purpose, you know, you have to be clear on that. And look, a lot of times when I'll start a project and we've got the team together and we talk about, all right, what's our mission? What's our vision? What's the purpose of this project? You'll find people are on very different pages or it's unclear, completely unclear. They don't know what they're, and they go, I don't know. I'm just here to get a paycheck, dude. I mean, just tell me what to do. Or even the mission of the company in general. Correct. People don't even know what the whole company's goal is or what's trying to be accomplished. They just know their little piece of that. There's some companies where you need people to be a cog in a wheel, right? You know, like there's things that need to be done that need to get done, right? But it's a lot easier to get those things done and to get people to understand what the importance of that is if there is a mission and they understand what the mission is and everybody's on the same page. So I have a great story about that. And if I'm telling it wrong, it may be because I heard it wrong, but the point will be made. So just follow me with this. But there's a great story that I've heard about back when NASA in the the late 60s or early, whenever it was in the 60s, they were going to land the man on the moon and they were doing the NASA missions. And they had reporters and media were down around Cape Canaveral where they were getting ready to launch the rockets off. And they were interviewing people that were there that were crucial to the mission of putting a man on the moon. And they were interviewing the engineers and they were interviewing the astronauts and they were interviewing the training teams and all these people. And the story goes that a woman came out of one of the restrooms and she was pushing a janitor's cart. And she was one of the janitors there and had walked up and seen that the reporters were interviewing all these people. And she had asked, why they weren't interviewing her. And they said, well, what do you do here? And they saw her in the little maid's uniform and she had the, you know, the janitor's cart and she was keeping the restrooms clean. And she said to them when they said, well, what, what are you doing here? She said, I am helping to put men on the moon. And that was her little part of making sure everything worked at NASA. Her job was to keep everything clean so people could do their jobs. I love that woman is my hero. Because that is when you say sometimes it's just for someone to be a cog in the wheel. Listen, I ran restaurants for a long time and we used to say the most important person in the restaurant was not me as the manager. It wasn't the executive chef, wasn't the wait staff. It was the dishwashers. (laughs) Your dishwashers walk out, man, you are screwed. That's right. They're the most important people there. So everybody's cog in the wheel job is critically important. And as a leader, if you don't understand that, you shouldn't be leading that team. 
So I'll tell you something interesting. And you're going to like this because it's from a restaurant background. So when I was in my late teens, early 20s, I worked as, as a kitchen manager in restaurants. And I had this restaurant that I worked in. It was like a fish and chips shop. And I don't know where they found this guy. But this guy was like the world's greatest dishwasher. He came to work 30 minutes early because he wanted to get outside and stretch before he started work. Wow. Like he was like, he had a routine and he was one of the highest paid hourly employees in the kitchen. But this guy washed dishes like three times faster than everybody else. <laughs> like he would just burn through them. Like we basically replaced two employees with one guy because he was so good at it. And the dishes were always spotless. He, we had all these old pans that were black, you know, that have been black for a decade and a week later, all of them are look brand new, you know, like he's just amazing. Right. And he was great with the staff. He was great with everybody. And that's all he wanted to do. He's like, I love washing dishes. That's what I like to do. And I'm like, okay. Like, and he was great. You know, I will take 10 of those guys over one NBA any day and like motivated, motivated people. What was the line? I'm not afraid of an army of lions led by a sheep. I'm afraid of the army of sheep led by a lion. And it's about like, you can do anything with anyone if you are a great leader and can motivate them enough. They can be sheep going into battle and you can lead them. So, you know, getting back to your original question, having everyone on board with the vision, the mission, the purpose. So if the vision is there and you understand why we're doing this, which would be the purpose, right? So I know the vision is X. I know the purpose is why we're doing it. And then the missions may be different for everyone on your team. And your job as the leaders to make sure that they understand what their individual mission is to get everybody to that vision. And that also takes away a lot of the like sniping about I'm working harder than he is and she's not working as hard. And, and all of that, because we all have our own mission and we're all on one overriding mission to one purpose. And that to me is your job as leaders to be able to do that. And it's, it can be difficult. Listen, you're dealing with personalities. You're dealing with human beings. You're dealing with people. You're dealing with egos. You're dealing with all of that. But to me, when you look through the lens of warrior, lover, king, queen, hero, and you look at the people on your team as warriors, lovers, king, you know, you're developing into kings and queens and heroes. It takes away a lot of that infighting stress. And I can give you some strategies on how to put that into action, too. Sure. You had sent me like a leadership guide and we'll put a link to that in the show notes so people can download it if they want. Actually, I should mention, we also put a link to your podcast in there. Let's break away from this for one moment, because I know that the media has shifted a little bit away from it right now because of the Black Lives Matter protests and things like that that are going on. But coronavirus has still had a huge impact on the working population. And I know you and I, when we were kind of talking before, we had a conversation about, like I was asking you, that a lot of men have their identities and women, right? And, and I don't mean to single it out. We just, I'm talking about men because, I mean, your podcast is about men, right? A lot of people have their identities tied to their job. And in other cases, sometimes those identities are tied to like sports teams or hobbies and stuff also. And now all of those things they can't do. So their identity is basically missing. And what impact that you've seen on people from that? Yeah, you know, it's it's one of those things. Uh, we'll take this on, Matt, as a challenge for people in general. And challenge is good. It's one of the things that I found in talking to the men that I've interviewed for my podcast. It's one of the things I found for a lot of the highly successful women that I speak to is the things that made them who they are is the challenges that they went through and conquered. I look at what's going on right now with the pandemic and people being in lockdown as a massive global challenge, right? We're all in this challenge together. And it's true what you say. A lot of us can be tied up. Our identities can be tied up in what we do, the teams we root for, the cities we live in, the college we went to. I mean, there's all of these different identities that make us who we are. And these have been stripped from us. We're stripped bare right now. Like you said, a lot of men, a lot of people have lost their jobs have been home, don't have the interaction that they had with people. That, that's another part of the identity is where you fit in the pecking order and, you know, how you react when you're in social groups and all of that. So to me, this is a challenge and it's a challenge to kind of take a really deep look at who you are at your core. Who are you at your core? Because you're not your job and, you know, you're not the car you drive and you're not the sports team you root for. 
there's so much more to you. And I think a lot of people and a lot of people that I've spoken to recently have had to take this really hard look at themselves and decide who am I? And I know Matt, you and I, have, we know a lot of people who have been on a career path and woken up one day and went, well, shit, that's not who I am. I want to go do this. And in the podcast episodes and in the summit that I've done, I've, I've spoken to a lot of men who have just given up, I mean, million and million dollar a year salaries to go do what they love to do. And I call it burning down the shoulds, right? It's the shoulds. You should become a lawyer or you should become a doctor or you should go into finance because you'll make a lot of money and you'll be comfortable. You should go into the family business. You should root for this team because my father and his father before him all rooted team, right? We grew up in this city and you should, all of those are being burned to the ground. And I think it's awesome because we're going to emerge from this, Matt. People are going to go two ways. Some are going to get worse before they get better, right? Collapse. But then you've got to expand after that. This is where you need to tap into that warrior that's inside you and go, who am I? What do I decide to be? What am I deciding right now? Who am I? At my core, what is my purpose in life? What do I really want to be and do? And what kind of impact do I want to have? And I think this has been kind of a global reset where we've all kind of had to take a look back and go, all right, who am I? That's been taken away. Who am I? So that's how I choose to look at it. It's a, it's a big challenge. We're all going through it. And that's part of why I'm here too, Matt, is if I can bring value and support to those that are looking to come out of that challenge, then that's what I'm here for. Right. And you know what? That's kind of been a topic that I've heard quite a bit getting talked about. Finally, you know, it's not something that has been talked about that much in the past that I've seen. Like I heard Roland Frazier talking about it the other day. He was saying they call it the leash and the crutch. And the crutch is like, I'm going to keep working at this job until I get my new business going. Yes. But your new business could never start going because you've got that you're tied to the leash of the money you get from the previous business. So you never get your new business actually running. And then it's also so it's a crutch and it's a leash at the same time. I thought that was a good analogy of that. Yeah. I, I, one of my mentors has a sign hanging up in the office that says free beer tomorrow. <laughs> it's always tomorrow. Right? It's always tomorrow. The free beer is tomorrow. And it's free beers tomorrow. And it's, it's like that putting that off. And, you know, we call that in the archetypes the lady in waiting, right? It's just, you're waiting for when that perfect thing is going to arrive to get you going. I was a victim of this. Like I said, I made every mistake in the book. I was a victim of this for a long time. I just waited and waited and waited for the perfect moment. And then, oh my God, somebody made me, you know, gave me a job offer. Oh, okay. I'm just going to go over here and have the security of the paycheck every week. That's been taken away from us right now. So this is the perfect time for you to look at that and go, what was it I really, really, really wanted to do? You know, what do they say? I love what you said about Roland, what he said, the leash and the crutch. And But I also look at it. Somebody said to me one time, what would you do if you knew you couldn't fail? If you really followed your heart and it said, look, if you decide it and that's what you really desire, it will happen 100%. What would you really be doing? And I think it's a difficult thing for a lot of people to look at that and go, wow, I, it really would not be what I'm doing now. Right. And it's scary to kind of think about dropping the safety in what you already have. Right. For most people, and I know a lot of people, maybe they're laid off or furloughed or something like that right now, and you have income, that's a fantastic time to start a new venture, start a new job, do some retraining, whatever, right? Because you've got income, so you got a safety net. But if you either you just got laid off and you have nothing, like you didn't qualify for unemployment for some reason or whatever, or you're self-employed and your business closed, there's problems where you don't have anything and you kind of got to fly the airplane while you're building it, right? I'm a huge proponent of that. Like the Seth Godin kind of merely ship it idea, right? Just get the minimum viable product and go, right? And stop waiting. There's no waiting. Honestly, it pisses me off. People have stuff, right? And they got something and it's amazing. And they could just go out and just, just crush it. But they don't because they're waiting and they're waiting and they're waiting. I'm like, don't wait. Just do it. And if you think about it as the lady in waiting, you can feel that. I talk about the empowering and limiting on the, on the lover side, which is the feminine energy. That's the limiting, that waiting, 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 waiting. It'll never happen. I can promise you. Never happen. And I'm, I'm going to give you a story here. Like, free beer tomorrow. Free beer tomorrow, man. That's all it is. Free beer tomorrow. I have a great story. And, and, and this was, you know, talk about 
how can you not suck as a boss? I'm stealing this from one of the guys I interviewed. His name is Chris Tuff. He wrote a phenomenal book called The Millennial Whisperer. Go get the book. If you lead teams and there are millennials on your teams, this will help you. But Chris had a great outlook. And one of the things for me, one of the mistakes I made as a boss, and I'm going to use the term boss at that time, because like you said in the beginning, it's I'm in charge and you work for me. It was that demand of, I want 100% commitment to me as your boss. And you know what? It doesn't exist. And just to your point of what we're just talking about now, about lady in waiting and, and having this thing and this dream and this vision, in Chris's company, they, they made the decision, and I think it's the 80-20 rule, right? So they say 80% of what you do here, you're going to love, 20% of it's going to suck. And almost everyone that he knows, and again, he's working with millennials, has a dream that they're, they're working towards, right? Or some other vision that they have for themselves and a side hustle. They actually encourage side hustles from their employees, which blows my mind. He says the productivity they get out of people now is skyrocketed because they're basically telling people, we believe in you. We believe in your greatness. You know, and in my parlance, it would be, I believe in the hero and the king and queen and you and take 20% of your time and go after that. And if it works out, it becomes this great career, you know, bless you, go, go off and, and be amazing. And we'll know that we help support you in that. And to me, I mean, that blew my mind. And I was like, man, what an amazing, amazing thing, because it goes to my lens of the hero in, I believe in your greatness so much that I want you to pursue that while you're working for me and the safety of working in our company. And if you stay forever and can do the side hustle on the side forever, Great. And if it becomes this million dollar business for you, even better. Go be awesome. And I love that. I'll tell you a story. This is a really short story, but it's kind of along the same lines. So my business partner, Scott, he lives down in Costa Rica now, but he knew he was going to move to Costa Rica. So so he had a kind of a short term rental and at another guy's house. This guy had a problem with his laptop and he hadn't backed up the book he'd been writing. Okay. So he thought he had lost his book that he's been writing forever. He's been writing this book for like 19 years. Okay, for starters, 19 years. But anyway, 19, Scott and I have an IT background. We managed to recover the data from the laptop. We get it out. There's six chapters, six chapters in 19 years. Wow. You were not writing a book if you've written six chapters in 19 years. <laughs> exactly. You're not going to finish it for another 19 years. So I think you got some time. You've got to just, you got to do it, right? You got to, you got to get over whatever that hurdle is and just get stuff done. Execution is, is almost everything. I mean, we have an email course, right? It's coming out. It's brand new, right? It's called Inbox Mastery. Tell you all the things you need to do to make a fantastic email list, sell stuff, use it if you're a coach or you're, you know, whatever, right? But the, the most important part of any course is taking the action because it's something like, and I mean, the number varies depending who you ask, but it's over 90% of people who buy a course never do any of the work, like not even not do all the work. They just don't do any of it. Yeah, because to them, the, the success came from, well, I took the step to buy it. So that's, that's it. And yeah, it's so valuable that if you could get people to, to learn how to take action, then, you know, amazing things can happen. Yeah. And that goes into what I'm talking. So let's talk about that for like a second. And it's funny because you, you talked about the minimum viable product and getting that out. And someone said to me, you know, a good plan executed now beats a perfect plan. Never execute. So get it out. Good. You can. And, and I always say, listen, we're building the plane as we go down the runway, like you alluded to earlier. And it is just get it out, get it up and you can fix it once it's out. And you'll be more motivated to fix it once it's out because it's actually working and going. And the, team that you were working with is like, wow, we actually delivered this and now we can focus on whatever. But then the feedback that you get makes you change your product to make it better. And that's feedback you never would have gotten if you would waited to try and make it quote perfect, that it will never be quote perfect because you never got it out to get the feedback. You need to make it perfect in the first place. <laughs> exactly. So you are just perpetually the lady in waiting. And so this is where we need to tap into the warrior part of us. And this is men and women. So I want the women that are out there uh, listening. I am a big, big fan of women as leaders because I think they have an advantage because what makes a really, really good leader is, number one, tapping into that warrior, that positive, empowering warrior. But then at the other side of it has to be supported by the lover or the, that feminine energy. And, and women are natural at that. 
And so once they can tap into their warrior, they've got the rest of the game. They're, they're so far ahead in that way. But it really has to come down this way. If you do not lead with your warrior, if you don't start with that, as you can see, as we're talking about, nothing gets done. Shit doesn't, never gets done. The warrior is that part of us that initiates, that makes decision, that breaks down the walls, overcomes the challenges, pushes forward, is the fuel, is the explorer, is the adventurer, is that part of us that wants to move forward. And you can see how you could have great ideas and be super creative and all that, but without tapping into that warrior, nothing's going to get done. So you as a leader have to tap into that in yourself. You have to be that every day and you have to get that out of your team. You've got to figure out how do I get, you know, Joe and Mary and John and Susan to tap into their warrior and move them forward. And the way that we do it is I'll give you this great kind of formula. Okay. So if you think warrior, lover, king, queen, hero, lead with your warrior, come from that empowering warrior. I'll give you a list of empowering and limiting in a minute. Lead from that warrior because that's what breaks down that wall of not getting anything done. Like, you know, free beer tomorrow, lady in waiting, you know, the leash, the thing, all of it. So you've got to be able to tap into that warrior positively. But you must, must, must. And this is where so many of us as men have failed. I know personally is what made me fail. You must follow it with that lover. You must follow it with that incredible feminine energy that we all have. Otherwise you come across as an overbearing brute. You come across as, you know, unbending, unwielding, entitled, bullying, bossing. That lover, that feminine side that we have to support with is the creativity, the passion, compassion, wisdom, learning, growth, playfulness, all of those things that get things done and flourish and thriving. So lead with that powerful warrior, support and follow with that incredible lover, and things will move forward like you have no idea. And this works whether you're a man or a woman. And, you know, for me, I didn't want to follow with that compassion, passion, creativity. I saw it as being weak, right? We don't want to do that as men. We don't want to be seen as weak. Women that I work with say they shut that side of themselves down because they don't want to be seen as feminine, girly, weak, same kind of thing. But Matt, I'll tell you, when you come from the empowering side of both of those, leading with the warrior, getting stuff done, getting it moving, getting it going, supporting with the feminine, letting it grow and flourish and thrive and build and grow, you'll see success like you've never seen. And you'll see it in your team because when you come to them and give them instruction and directives that way, when you're being that yourself, it absolutely inspires and motivates them. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You've got to make sure everybody's going the same direction and goes a lot faster the same direction when everybody's paddling at the same time, beating the same drum. And people are not motivated by that old threatening sort of of leadership style where it's like you do this because it's your job and I told you to. And if you don't do it, you're going to get fired or you're going to get written up or whatever the threat of the day is. Right. For those people. I mean, it just doesn't work. I mean, it didn't even really work then. And it really doesn't work now. No, no, it's not going to motivate anybody in, in any way. And then listen, telling somebody that they're doing something because it's their job. I cannot think of a worse excuse or reason to have anybody do anything that wouldn't motivate me. If I own the company, it wouldn't motivate me because it's my job. That's not the mission and the purpose. That's not the value that you're bringing. That's not the vision that you have. So when you can get those moving and empower people from that point of, look, we all know it's your job. You're there. You show up every day. That's just a given, but you have to have that reason behind it. And usually living from that vision, mission, purpose is, is really the way to go. You know, I mean, I can give you, if you want examples of the right and wrong way to kind of give those directives, I'm, I'm happy to do that too. Let's do it. Yeah. Okay. So like you, cause you brought it up and I, and I think you're right. So I want you to feel into this for a minute. So when I talk about the warrior, that masculine energy that we all have, the empowering characteristics of that would be an in that download that you can get that these are all listed out for you, but they're, they're these incredible characteristics like being courageous, being a maverick, being commanding. Commanding is very different than controlling. Feel the difference between being in command and being in control. 
right? You're a visionary, sovereign, you're bold, dynamic, decisive, invincible, self-created, a guardian, determined, brave, committed. All those things are positive. On the limiting side, you have bully, controlling, abusive, overpowering, inconsiderate, selfish, angry, stubborn, frustrated, degrading, weak, tyrannical. Feel those, right? That sounds like a Twitter post of people who hate their boss. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> and, and so that's why I look at it. It's like, and there's a fine line, Matt. That's the thing. There's a fine line. Like we, I've got guys, when I say guys, people in general, men and women that will take these lists that I have from that download and they will tape it in their, in their office over their computer monitor. Because when they get an email that they go, oh shit, or, you know, someone walks in with a problem or someone on their team or they get told something from their own boss above them and, and they get in, where am I on this list? Am I feeling that I'm going to come at somebody, you know, overpowering and abusive, or am I going to turn that into, wait a minute, wait a minute, let me be just direct, decisive, in command of what I'm doing. That'll help. So that's on the warrior side. On the feminine side, which is the lover, which are all these ones I really love. The empowering of this is wise, supportive, empathetic, generous, devoted, nurturing, allowing, inspiring, nourishing, compassionate, abundant, creative, patient, trusting. Okay. Feel that. I mean, that, that's not man or woman that can come from anybody, right? That can come from all of us. And then the limiting side is needy, withholding, helpless, manipulative, demanding, scheming, jealous, withdrawn, confused, distracted, moody, insecure. We go back to that Twitter rant on the bosses again, right? Well, it also, you know what, that that's something that seems to come up a lot between people in kind of toxic workspaces where their infighting between the employees happens more when the leadership is showing that that's how they take care of problems, right? So when somebody's being bossy and manipulative as the boss, then suddenly your employees are like, well, Janet down on four is bossy and manipulative too. You know, like it's, it's kind of a self-perpetuating thing. And then your whole office becomes this toxic place that nobody wants to go to. And all they want to do is get the minimum amount of work done that they don't lose their job and get out of there as quickly as they can. Right. It's, it's all they want to do anymore. Just get out. And they, they say, and this is true. You know, we do that. They say, but I mean, like they've done studies. Right. So and I find it true. They say people don't quit jobs. They don't quit companies. They quit managers. So if you have a really terrible boss, you're going to leave. Even if you love the company and you love what it is you're doing, you're going to go try and find someplace else to go do it. So it is so important that you do this. And I tell the people that I work with, the executives and the entrepreneurs that I work with, Share this stuff with the people underneath you. Don't be manipulative and go, oh, I'm going to do some. That's the thing I find with a lot of these quote unquote leadership strategies is it's about you and you're not sharing this with your people. I, I try to have 100 percent transparency with the teams that I work with. And I'm like, guys, look, whenever I give you an instruction, it's going to come at you like this. And if I don't, I want you to tell me. And that comes down to the thing. I, I always give my teams permission to tell me when I'm being an asshole. Like if I'm an asshole, come tell me, Eric, you're being an asshole. And I'll tell you why in a minute. I want to finish this thought. So when you come at somebody, the only way to do it is come from your warrior support with your lover, come from the masculine support with your feminine. And it's the empowering warrior and empowering lover. Okay. And so if I came to you, Matt, and I said to you, and you brought this up earlier, you said, look, I need you to do this because it's your damn job. And if you don't do it, you're going to get fired. How am I coming there? Like, what what am I in in that mode? Well, obviously, it's it's more of a bullying stance than anything else. It's right, and it's it's only from the limiting warrior. There was nothing behind it, right? And it's kind of condescending too, right? It's like, yeah. I'm in charge of you. You do what I say. Yes. Now, if I came to you and I said, "Hey, Matt, you know, you're awesome, and we love what you do, and you know, your work is always really, really cool, and I love the little covers you put on all your reports. They're super creative. Thank you for that, and we really like this. But you know, um, yeah, I kind of hate to tell you this, but the last couple of things you did really weren't as strong. And if you're not going to up your game, we're going to have to let you go. How does that feel? <laughs> 
Well, it's kind of the opposite. You know, it's a bit wishy-washy. And- exactly. That's the limiting feminine, you know, the lover limiting coming in. And that comes across as very patronizing. And it automatically, like to me, when anyone comes at me like that. I'm glad they like my TPS report. Coming. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you like, you got the reference. Good. I appreciate that. But think about it. It, it feels condescending. And automatically, either one of those conditions, what happens? We're automatically on guard, right? We're not feeling the leadership, number one. We're not feeling anything. Both of those are the most common way that I hear that bosses come at employees, either in that overly aggressive, too full on warrior, and it's not supported with the feminine or full on wishy washy, limiting feminine because they want to come across as the nice guy and they don't want to upset anybody and all that, which is just as bad. And then follow that up with the limiting warrior like we're going to have to let you go. So what I tell people is this. If you can just remember warrior lover makes me a king or queen. Warrior lover. I want to come with my positive, empowering warrior. And that's how I always want to start. And then I want to follow that up with my empowered lover feminine. Okay. So it would be along the lines of this, Matt. It would be like, Matt, listen, we made a decision and we need to have this project done by next Tuesday. That means you may possibly have to work through the weekend. I understand that may be difficult and a challenge, but we're all under the gun and we must have this by Tuesday because, listen, there's going to be consequences for the whole company if that happens. But I want you to understand, we really appreciate everything that you're doing and we will get you the support that you need, any of the materials that you need, anyone else on the team that you need to help you get this done, we're behind you 100%. How does that I mean, that's obviously the way that you want to approach, you know, every difficult decision that you need an employee to make and do for you, because now it's going to motivate them. They've got support. They'd have clear direction. Deadlines get shit done. Everybody knows that. Right. And that was very clearly warrior lover. Right. So it was made a decision. Matt, I need this coming at you as another human being with respect and, and respect for your intelligence and knowing that I'm not going to come out and patronize you or, you know, I'm going to tell you how it is. And this is really why we need it. But then following up that 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 second half is so important. It's where so many of us fall down. It's like I said, I made every mistake in the book. It's where I fell down. Didn't want to come in with that. But the lover part is not like, oh, Matt, we love you so much. And you're, no, no, That's it's, right. it's you have support. You have us here if you need it. We're here to, you know, make sure this thing happens. You're not alone. Anything else that needs to be said on that, you come in with that support. Now the person gets, all right, I understand the decision. I understand what has to happen. Look, you may go, shit, I don't really want to work through the weekend, but I understand why. And, you know, there needs to be, especially in the kind of virtual world that we live in now, with almost everyone working from home at this point, there's a loss of some of the information that gets communicated, especially information from things like body language and stance and stuff like that gets lost when you're on Zoom and it's just heads, you know, or if you're shooting an email or a text or whatever, you're on whatever your internal communication Slack is or whatever, right? I was listening to marketing book podcast the other day, which is actually one of my favorites. Uh, But Nick Morgan was on and Nick Morgan, he said, how many people have sent this email? And it's just good job. (laughs) He said when they did a study, right, 90 percent of the the managers that they studied said that people will get the message that, yeah, you did a good job. But 60 percent of the recipients said they thought it was sarcastic. Oh, wow. So you have a huge disconnect, almost 50 percent disconnect between people saying good job and people going, wow, that guy's an asshole. (laughs) You know? Wow. Yeah, I can feel that. And what they did to fix it is they put a smiley emoji on the end of it and then. Everybody thought that when they said good job, they meant it. Yeah. And, and feeling how that's like the, the, the warrior lover, right? You had, you had to add that part on that showed, yeah, I am really being appreciative. And you need to, to put that emotional language needs to be put in and it needs to kind of, it needs an exclamation point on it because you don't have the body language and, and the way to communicate the like stance information and stuff like that. If you went to somebody in like a cubicle farm, right, at a corporation and you walk up and you lean over their desk and you cross your arms and you're looking at them kind of sternly, they know bad shit's about to happen. Right. But if you're sending them an email, it's just another email, right, of the other 500 emails they get. So you need to have that emotional language in there to say, you know, like if it's something where you wanted them to work, you know, over the weekend to get the project done and maybe you don't have the video communication for whatever reason, 
you know, then you, you need to put that, that language in your text to say, Hey, you know, we're here to support you. I want you to know we're hundred percent behind you, you know, that kind of stuff, just like you were saying, because that's what gets the point across of the meaning that's missing from all the other parts of the communication that gets lost. And that's why that's so important. Right. And that's why I said, you know, I feel that those are the mistakes I made as a boss. That's why I see that a lot of women can be fantastic bosses because that part comes more naturally to women than men, that kind of praise support thing. And again, this is a huge broad generalization. So I'm just putting it that way. But one of the things too, Matt, that I want to say is, you know, again, as, as being the King queen hero, teach the people under you or with you, I'm going to say with you, as your partners in these teams to do this as well. Cause you know, listen, there are people on your team that, that have people under them that they've got to get. And even if they're lateral with a lot of infighting comes with, well, I don't like how he's talking to me. I don't like the way he said, Hey, Bob, you have to do this. He's not the boss of me. Right. If you're teaching them to do the warrior lover part, right. You know, come from being a King and queen King and queen is made up of integrated warrior and lover. I'm saying this a lot so that you kind of get it. And if you teach them to do that as well, they're going to become better leaders. So then, you know, again, we're getting down that path of the job and they're going to be able to communicate with each other more effectively coming from that positive, empowering warrior, following up with the positive, empower a lover, feminine, and then you'll be there. And this goes to something that you just said a second ago when you said about how things get miscommunicated. So one of the things that I do when I start with a new team or, you know, somebody comes onto my team who's new and I will do this. And you can ask people who've worked for me. Yes, Eric actually does say this. And I did it with a team I took over that had like 10 people on it. I said, look, I want you guys to do me a favor. If I'm being an asshole, you see me as an asshole. I want you to come to me into my office. We'll close the door. And you say, Eric, you're being an asshole. And they look at me like in shock. <laughs> like, what are you kidding me? And this is anybody who I don't care. Like what your position is, again, going back to the woman at NASA who cleaned the bath. I don't care. Dishwashers, because I think they're the most important people on a team. So I don't care what cog in the wheel you are, to use your term. Come tell me I'm an asshole. You have my permission. There will be no repercussions. You're not getting fired. Matter of fact, I have more respect for you if you come and do that. So why would I tell people to come in and tell me that I'm being an asshole, Matt? Why, why would that be such a great advice for leaders? Well, because you want to know if you're miscommunicating what is supposed to be going on, or maybe that person doesn't respond to the type of communication that you're using. Correct. I agree with that hundred percent. That is true. Communication is so important and miscommunication and how things land on people. Like I could have been having a bad day and said something out of my limiting warrior that came across as a bully or came across as over demanding, or maybe I didn't support well enough with the lover side and, and show the appreciation but what happens if if you can't come tell me I'm being an asshole, you're going to tell everybody else on the team that I'm being an asshole, <laughs> right? That's right. Everybody's, they're going to be on Slack messaging everybody. Exactly. Man, Eric was an asshole. Did you hear what he said to me this morning? I mean, he came across and he, but now you're talking. And then they'll, they'll include their own emotional points about it, which are not the ones that you want communicated. Correct. And, and I mean, listen, how many of us have been in, in conversation where we're having a conversation, but we're each having a different conversation? I think I'm saying this and the other thing, I've had it happen. I've got a dozen stories on that, but that's like every argument on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and there are some doozies on Facebook, but we're all in our own heads just thinking. So I tell my team, I would much rather you come to me and say, here's why I think you're being an asshole. Then you go to everybody else on the team and say, this is why I think Eric's being an asshole. Because now I've got 10 people I got to go communicate to. So if something lands on you wrong or you read an email, because again, like you're saying, email, Slack, text. Very, I mean, we, we all have stories about how things were taken out of context, landed wrong on there. There's no emotion. You can't tell if someone's being sarcastic or funny or, you know. Come tell me immediately. Give your people permission to do that. It frees them up from a whole bunch of stuff and it stops this yammering behind the scenes of, you know, and listen, I've had people on the team where if somebody does go complain to them and say Eric's being an asshole, their response is, well, then just go tell him. Don't tell me. I don't want to hear it. I don't have time for it. Go tell him. And that's them stepping up into their own leadership, right? So you're creating that culture of, hey, listen, it's okay. We miscommunicate. Everybody's human, right? Things land. Just go tell them. Don't be a cancer in the company. Don't be, you know, spreading nonsense. Having that stuff fester, right? 
when it's like people are slowly getting angrier and angrier over time and, and all of it started as a miscommunication to begin with, you know, you need to exercise the demons and get that out immediately because it's a poison that's going to run through your company. And it's the enemy of productivity, right? Because now everybody does it. They're not motivated because they're pissed off or whatever. They don't want to go to work. And then Joe in the group is not pulling his weight. And, you know, everybody, you know, that, that kind of stuff starts to, it just grows and grows. It gets worse and worse. I know we're kind of getting a little overtime here, but I didn't want to miss out because I wanted you to talk for a minute because you had mentioned the Complete Man Summit. What is the Complete Man Summit? Great. So I appreciate that. So the Complete Man Summit is, is a summit I put together and I had the podcast, The Warriors, Lovers, Kings and Heroes. And that was really around men telling the stories of how they became the men they are. And I looked at it and I said, you know, there are really five areas that make up a man being a complete man. Because this is, becomes the question all the time I hear from younger men, you know, even contemporary men my age that, you know, look, I don't really know how to be a man. Like, you know, and then we get all this confusion around what masculinity is and what it takes. And you get guys going, well, I can bench press 400 pounds. That makes me a man. Well, yeah, it might. I mean, it's part of it, but it's not everything. So there's a couple things that I live by. And one of them is, what are the areas that make a complete man? Well, it's around your, your, your work, your career, your business, finance. I call them the five pillars. That's one of the pillars. The other one would be health, fitness, taking care of the body, Right. The other is your relationships. How are you with the people that you work with as a leader? How are you at home? Right? Because I don't believe in work-life balance. To me, that's bullshit. It's work-life integration. It's all part of one whole is who you are as a being. So the relationships at home and at work are important. The other is lifestyle because you got to have some fun, man. You can't just be living for work and all that. You got to have a good time. And you got a lot of men want to know like, oh, what's the best bourbon to drink? Or I don't know how to order wine at a restaurant or I've never fired a, a gun in my life or smoked a cigar or, you know, whatever it may be, fun stuff. And then the fifth pillar is the inner man, because I've been doing a lot of inner work for the last more than 10 years, really, really intensely for the last six or seven. And I believe it's an important part of who we are. So what I wanted to do was bring together top experts in each of those five pillars. And I did. And I brought together 34, well, it's 34 masterclasses. They're about an hour each. One of them is a panel discussion of seven or eight men. So that bumps the number up to over 40 men that you can get really, really, really solid guidance, vision, strategy. You'll hear the stories of their failures, how they succeeded, how they became the men they are, and then how you can use some of their strategies in your own life. And you know, I say it's for men, it's the complete man summit, but I've had a good number of women who have listened and they've gone, hey, listen, I'm getting a great amount of information out of this as well. So yeah, it's a really good thing. And it is free. It is free. It's 100% free. We wanted to bring as much value as we can. So the each of the five pillars gets kind of dripped out over six days so we don't overwhelm you. There's five videos a day that get let out and you have 24 hours to watch them and it's all free. And so it's completemansummit.com and yeah, get over there and sign up. It starts uh, Monday. Nice. Uh, Eric Rogel with the Warriors, Lovers, Kings and Heroes podcast. Thanks for being on the show today and sharing your knowledge. Absolutely, Matt. My pleasure, man. I loved it. Beautiful. And uh, make sure you check the show notes so you can get the Complete Man Summit and the downloadable leadership guide. And Eric, we will talk to you again soon. All right. Thanks, Matt. This has been Digital Marketing Masters with Matt and Carrie Rouse. For notes and a transcript of this episode, go to hookseo.com forward slash podcast. Now stay tuned for a preview of our next episode of Digital Marketing Masters. Join us next week as we dive into more tips and ideas to grow your business. Digital Marketing Masters is brought to you by Hook SEO Digital Marketing. Our show is produced by Matthew Rouse and Scott Burson. Mixed and edited by Silent Outburst Productions. I'm your announcer, Daniel D. Craig. We would love to hear your thoughts. Please leave us an honest review with your podcast provider. Your reviews help us help more business leaders just like you.